Welcome to the Know Your Rights Camp podcast, and my name is Alicia P., and I have been a volunteer with the Know Your Rights Camp since 2017. Um, on my day-to-day, I am a creative producer, I'm a director, and I'm also a podcaster. And to my right, we have Carl Ferguson. Hi, uh, my name is Carl. Uh, I've been a volunteer with the camp since 2017 as well. So by day, I am a celebrity portrait photographer, work with many uh, magazine outlets and so forth, as well as a power plant technician for a phone company in New York. To my left, we have the one and only Dr. Milo Dotson. Hey. Clap it up, clap it yes, up, clap go. it up. Hey, thanks. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are. Yes, yes. Peace, family. My name is Dr. Milo Dodson, and I'm a licensed psychologist in the state of California. Um, I've had the honor of volunteering for the camp since 2018. So the Vegas camp is my fourth camp. Nice, okay. nice. So everyone here, we're well known into the camp we pour into the camp that is what we do we love it on our spare time because we love the kids we love the message and we love the people that build this community Amen. Yes, yes yes which yes. is pretty much what we're going to be talking about today loving each other loving on ourselves um and pretty much one of our rights you have the right to be safe we're going to talk about mental wellness um let's just talk about how you've been since the beginning of the pandemic to where we are today. Oh, Lord. What a question. What, what a question. <laughs> I'm, I'm have for that question. Um, <laughs> I have been joyful. I have been devastated. I have been heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also uplifted. Um, I also actually happened to got, get married during hey. the pandemic. Um, so got the, yeah. the hardware. <laughs> the hardware. Uh, anniversary is 12, 12, 2020. Of course. Right. 12, 2020, just in case anybody tried to come for me. <laughs> um, but, but to be honest, I think the reality is we've had a full range of emotions. Mm-hmm. And one of my goals for discussing mental health is to really normalize the full range. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we tend to only talk about, like I said, the joy. We only talk about being happy or what I often refer to as toxic positivity, Mm. right? Like you have to find the silver lining in something. Mm -hmm. Look, the reality is over these last two and a half years, we've been through a lot. Mm -hmm. Going through a pandemic damages our mental health. It damages our physical health, being at home all the time, right? And so I think for me, knowing that our right to be safe and our right to be healthy includes mental health. Yes. centers on mental health for me because there's no health without mental health. Probably want to back up just a little bit to just even define what mental health is. Like, what is mental wellness? Yeah, yeah. So mental health is kind of a roadmap of our thoughts leading to feelings, then leading to our actions. Mm -hmm. So essentially in life, when we're faced with an event or a situation, um, a pandemic, for an example, right? We have a thought of like, dang, this is never going to end. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the end is. I don't see an end in sight. Mm-hmm. So that's just our thought based off of the event. Mm-hmm. The thoughts that we have then lead to our emotions. I'm feeling anxious because of this uncertainty, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes that anxiety leads to positive coping strategies. I'm going to get some physical exercise. I'm going to get some fresh air from being outside. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, and for me to be very honest, sometimes that has led to stress eating whole range of food, um, different types of food, but going to that cabinet a little bit too often. So I think when we when we define mental health and we define wellness, again, it's kind of this 
roadmap of an event or a situation than to a thought that we have, our emotions, and then the actions that we choose to, to carry out. Yeah, yeah. Well, mental health for me has been a, a, a bit of a, a discovery over the last couple of years. And I think, uh, Milo, we've spoken before about yeah, yeah. Uh, my personal journey with just even being therapy. Uh, February made seven years. Mm. Um, and uh, it was an avenue that I stumbled upon. And it's, it's I always say it's the best investment I've made in myself. Right. And um, the interesting thing about the pandemic was I think this is the first time, no, I know it was the first time that I came in contact with anxiety. Mm. It had never been a thing that I, that I had to cope with. And um, I was essential during that time. So I didn't have the break of working from home. Mm. And just being on the train, commuting, all of the different uh, ways to get from point A to point B and having to deal with that uncertainty of well, what is this thing that we're we're facing? It's 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 okay. So it's a it's a um, an illness. Yeah, I think twenty twenty was a lot of uh, a lot of time for us to self reflect. Right, yes. it's a lot of time for us to pour into to, to pour into ourselves and to understand that mental wellness actually matters. Because mm-hmm. for a long time, especially in the black community, um, mental wellness is, was very taboo. Um, I think the next question that I have for the room, and maybe, Carl, I can start with you, is when do you feel most safe? How, since being in therapy, and I have been in therapy, we're all in therapy, obviously. Right, let's clap for therapy. Mm. I've been in therapy myself for about three and a half, going on four years. Um, but when do you feel the most safe? Well, that's layered, because uh, part of what I've had to come to terms with in therapy is the need for control. And I feel more safe when I'm in control of what's going on, but that's not reality. Mm. You know, the, the the reality is becoming okay with relinquishing the control and releasing, that. and releasing that. And so that's something that, I mean, my answer is layered because I know when I'm in a safe space and what I feel is a safe space, but I know that it's also me starting to get to a better place of relinquishing control. So uh, right now I would say, it's when I, I think everything is at ease, mm-hmm. mostly my home. There you go. Right, right, right. I can control most of the elements involved in there. So I think that's honestly, uh, for me, would be home and areas that I can feel like I can control. How do you feel? What is, when's your, what's your safe space? Man, what my, makes you feel safe? To be honest, I feel most safe when I'm still. Mm. Um, whether that's home, whether that's in nature, whether that's... a you know, travel somewhere with my wife. Um, I feel safe when I'm still. And I go back to a quote from one of my mentors, Dr. Bill Parham. When I was studying for my licensure exam, I was trying to run all over the place. I was feeling anxious. I was feeling uncertain about if I'm going to pass this exam. And he broke it down in a very, very simple way. He said two things. The fastest way to get somewhere is to be still. Mm-hmm. And so for That's me, good. I had equated safety with accomplishment mm. for so long because I'm like, I need to do these things to feel as, as Carl said, to feel in more control, to feel like I got a sense of navigating life. And just instead, well, I found peace and safety in being still mm-hmm. to just be, to exist and to not do. Mm-hmm. The other thing Dr. Parham told me is that if you look at the letters of silent, you mix those around like alphabet soup, you can actually re- rearrange those to listen. Mm. So when you're silent, 
that allows you to then listen. Mm -hmm. And when we give ourselves a chance to listen, not just to our loved ones, Mm -hmm. like I'm trying to do more of as a, as a new husband for sure. (laughs) Um, But when we can listen to ourselves, we can hear what we need for ourselves. That's when we feel safe. Mm -hmm. I feel unsafe, but how do I then move in the direction of more safety, Mm -hmm. which is often equated to health. Like we're talking about too. Yeah. I think by, the, I feel the most safe between the hours of 4 a.m. and, like, 7 a.m. That is my mm. peace and quiet. I hear myself then. Mm. Um, Wait, so are you asleep during those hours? Or are no, you no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Because yeah. you feel safe I, when you're unconscious. Like, that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's good. Yeah, of course. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. Um, unless I'm having nightmares. But, um, no, like, I'll, I will wake up at 4 a.m. Mm. I've been trying to be very... Um, intentional about waking up before the rest of the world because that's the only time that I get to really fully hear my thoughts without hearing anything else, without hearing an email, without being on social media. Um, So creating my space, my home, to feel safe, but also waking up in the hours of when I can actually hear just my thoughts. I love that. Um, Yeah, so that's. I I think that's the, that's for me, just... Being very intentional about that is something that I've been trying to make sure I make a part of my daily routine. It's not easy waking up at 4 a.m. every day now, oh. but it's. I do think it's a necessity. I do think so. I do want to kind of pivot and ask a question because I think it's really important, especially in the black community, to talk about black men being able to communicate or even feel their feelings out loud mm. and sitting in between two men who are both in therapy, what can you share, especially with young children, young men, young boys that want to feel their emotions, but don't feel safe enough to do it mm. in any space because of how they've just grown up in their, yeah, you know, the and then their world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You want me to take that? Oh yeah, sure. Oh man. All right. <laughs> so as young, before I was a psychologist, as a young black boy being told not to cry, uh, being told not to show emotion because you're going to be a girl and all the mm-hmm. sexism, obviously, latent in that. Um, but I think for me, I've really needed to redefine what it means to be strong. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of time, the message that we receive is to not express or to not cry, quite literally, out of fear of failure or out of fear of being labeled as weak. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes the conversations I have with myself or with clients is to really break it down and saying, like, if you're telling me that strength is doing something that's difficult, let's have that as a baseline. Right. Then if you're also telling me that it's difficult for you to express because all these messages that you receive, you have to be the protector for your family. You have to provide for your family, all these different things that we hear being able to then express in addition to doing those things, that sounds like like strength to me. Right, right. So we can redefine what it means to be strong. And I think that's a message that I've learned from black psychology mm-hmm. to really look at the work of one of my mentors, the godfather of black psychology, Dr. Joseph White, who t- um, really reshaped the field mm-hmm. of looking at a strength-based approach. Yeah. So for black men and as again, as a young black boy, knowing what power I have to own my own story and to be able to express that. Yeah. To know that people are actually going to love me more 
when I can open up. And be vulnerable and yes. transparent and honest about your feelings. Absolutely. I mean, um, to echo uh, most of what you said, uh, I mean, it's it's never been taught to me that it's okay to express it. You know, it could be tolerated at times, but it wasn't encouraged. And uh, I'm also of Jamaican descent, so there's a an added level of weakness in showing emotion. Being stoic is is really the the ideal masculine uh, disposition. So, uh, yeah, I, I just I know that I've had emotions because I could I could identify them. Um, and later on, finding out that I'm an empath, which is a whole other level mm. of um, shutting down feelings, especially when you're an empath. And that means that you also take on the emotions of people around you. Right. So now you're trying to figure out what's going on with you, but you're also um, affected by the room. Mm-hmm. So now you're closing out all of that emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other the other part of it is just uh, I grew up in the Bronx and being in that environment, there actually were ramifications for, for being con- perceived as soft. Right, right, right. So there's another layer of not just being strong, mm-hmm. so to say, and stoic in your household, but on the street now you have to put on an extra layer of bravado. Sure. You know, you don't want anyone to mess with you. So I think the biggest thing is that, you know, we don't come into this world defined as men. We're We're children... We're learning, we're going through these emotions and not having the bandwidth in the room to um, just express ourselves. It, it leaves us stunted yeah. for ourselves, right. for our relationships, right. we, you know, just expressing to your partner how you feel because you're not in tune with saying I'm sad. Yeah. You know, like, not being in tune or being taught that it's OK, okay. to actually name that emotion. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. For my next question, I think it would it's important to also discuss how can we make our community safe? How can we create these safe spaces and conversations for black men, women, people of color to be able to have these thoughts out loud? Mm. I think it starts with what, what we're doing right now, to be honest. We're normalizing these conversations. We're putting them out there just along the same lines of any other topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. And when you can talk about something, when you can have the awareness within yourself, that then allows and kind of gives permission to, to have the rest of the community feel empowered to do the same. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, like we started with, we pour so much into the camp and the community of Know Your Rights mm-hmm. that it's also possible at the same time for the camp to pour into ourselves. And community can mean a couple of things, right? Community can mean your friend group. Community can mean your classmates. Community can mean your work environment. It could be your 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 partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like you said, just to kind of echo what you're saying, just creating an open line of communication yes. is super important. Communication is very hard. How do you create a moment for yourself to be mindful. Mine is my Apple Watch. Oh. <laughs> my watch reminds oh, yeah. me to to be uh mindful. Yes. And take and take breath. Mm-hmm. Take take a deep breath to breathe. So like literally my Apple Watch reminds me cuz at time to time I will be consumed with the day to days of what I do. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I also have a grateful alarm. I have an alarm that goes off at 7:26 every day and it usually comes on right when I need it. 
And whether I'm saying thank you to the most high or I am just breathing mm. or thanking myself for breath or just being a, or or holding my heart and just being giving myself grace or compassion. That is how I choose to be mindful. But what does it look like for you guys? Um, so uh, at times when I'm at my healthiest, I, it's it's at my workout time. I think uh, I used to allocate that. Um, quite religiously and I think during the pandemic some of that shifted mm. but uh and gotten back on track but I think um what has actually happened due to what I said I came across as far as understanding luckily I was in therapy to mm. pinpoint oh that's anxiety you're experiencing right. your tightness in your chest and okay and you're getting cold sweats when you're okay so now I I adjusted my my threshold mm. and I'm more in tune with when I start feeling the pressures of everything that's happening mm-hmm. and I slow down unapologetically. Mm. So even if something has to get done from a professional standpoint, just like you said, from achieving, mm-hmm. Oh, I know I have to get this done. Mm-hmm. The world's not going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have to apologize for something, I'll apologize for it. You're going to get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not going, I'm no longer sacrificing myself for everyone else outside because I never spent the time caring about myself the way that I did about everyone else. That's right. So that's right. Yeah. For me, um, like I said, mindfulness is about being still and the moments of mindfulness for me that most important is beginning of the day and the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. Yeah. Being, I do that. Being married now for about a year and a half, um, being able to wake up with my wife and just saying good morning. Mm-hmm being able to then say goodnight, mm-hmm. that mindfulness of like, this is how I, I choose to start my day. Mm-hmm. And I choose to end my day with peace, knowing that I can wake up in the morning, tap back into that feeling of peace the night before. In the morning, I can move forward intentionally with mindfulness, um, really grounding myself in gratitude and, and love. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, research about gratitude actually helps improve our immune systems. Really? So when we think about one of the like hot takes and hot words mm-hmm. in the last two plus years, immune systems, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. People taking all these wellness shots and all that good stuff mm-hmm. and myself included. But when we can be grateful, taking that time to be mindful, mm-hmm. that actually is going to help boost our immune systems. Mm-hmm. And a good thing about gratitude is it's free. Right. Yeah, right. you know, and it's really true because when, when I give myself that moment, I instantly feel better mm-hmm. physically. Hey. It's hey. crazy. Thank it you for is. pointing that out. Okay, so the last thing I want to do before we leave today, mm. I want each of us to say something to the listeners that are listening about therapy or grace or whatever, mm. but something that has to do with mental wellness. One thing that you want to tell them from your own experiences that you would like to share with them to try to get them on board to start their healing process? Um, I think the most powerful phrase that's uh, been spoken to me that I didn't realize had value was, how are you doing? And not how are you doing connected to your family, not to your career. Mm-hmm. Um, even having someone actually, when I start to respond, say, no, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And actually allowing me to say, I'm actually not doing well. And I don't think, again, to go off of what we were speaking, I don't think that in the way that I'm taught in society that growing up, it was okay as a man not to be okay. You're supposed to handle it. 
um, and there's, there's power in, in having someone that is there for you, not because they're related to you, um, not because your career helps them out, but um, having a therapist and someone that's just focused on my well-being has been just, I, I mean, it's beyond words. I don't know how to express it other than uh, I think that it's probably one of the best relationships that I could have. Wow. That's good. Wow. So, so I would say it's going to be a longer sentence because it's fine. Know, not necessarily the shortest. It's speak. fine. <laughs> that mental health is real mm-hmm. and that you deserve the same amount of joy that you so freely give to others. I think if I had to close this out, I would say invest in your mental freedom. Mm. It is important to give yourself the grace, the compassion that you deserve to be free and freedom starts with your mind, your mind and your body and your soul will be fed. So invest in that. Whatever it takes, invest in your mental freedom. I'm Carl Ferguson. I'm Alicia Pamphill. And I'm Dr. Myla Dodson. And, and we, we know, know our, our rights. Thank you for listening to another episode of Know Your Rights Camp podcast. And if you like what you hear, like, subscribe, and share.